On February 25th, 1898, a man named John D. Long had a doctor's appointment. Usually, this wouldn't be an event that was impactful in any way on world history. However, Mr. Long, someone you have probably never heard of, was the Secretary of the United States Navy under President McKinley. And 10 days prior, a U.S. destroyer called the USS Maine had exploded off the coast of Spanish Cuba. Now, Mr. Long's underling, the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, was a man you have probably heard of. His name was Theodore Roosevelt, and for the day, Roosevelt was acting Secretary of the Navy. He immediately put the Navy on high alert and gave orders to prepare for a war with Spain. Roosevelt's actions dramatically heightened tensions with Spain and would help spark the conflict now known as the Spanish-American War. As a result of the Spanish-American War, Spain lost its remaining holdings in the Western Hemisphere, and an empire that had been being cultivated since the time of Christopher Columbus was gone. But perhaps most importantly for our purposes here today, this war also resulted in Puerto Rico and its outlying islands, including Vieques, to become possessions of the United States. So this anecdote was relayed in How to Hide an Empire by Daniel E. Merwar. But the colonial history at play is essential for understanding the work of Catherine T. McCaffrey in her book, Military Power and Popular Protest, the U.S. Navy in Vieques, Puerto Rico. So before we hop into McCaffrey's fascinating ethnography, let me introduce myself. My name is Jacob Scretta, and I'm a junior at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln studying secondary education for the social sciences, and I'm working towards a minor in anthropology. I'm creating this podcast as part of the World Ethnography Project. At the end of the day, I think this book offers a lot of interesting takeaways, but I want to look at it for what it can tell us about the effects of colonialism on the people who live under it, and I also want to examine it for what it can tell us about modern militarization and environmental justice. Let's start with some background. Vieques has a fascinating history, and I could easily get bogged down and just talk about that for 15 minutes, but I want to get to the meat of the ethnography, so I'll do my best to provide the bare bones essentials and highlights for what you need to know to understand Vieques. As I've already discussed, the island became a possession of the U.S. after the Spanish-American War. Then, in World War II, it was seen as a key outpost for U.S. influence in the region and the wider Atlantic Ocean. As a result, a massive military installation was constructed on the island during and after the war. Anyone with a cursory understanding of American history can probably understand that the end of World War II didn't exactly yield the end of the military-industrial complex that had been created during the conflict. It arguably made things worse as the world was plunged into the Cold War. As the author put it, Vieques became a quote, Cold War hostage, unquote, and the island became a key staging area and training area for the U.S. and its allies in the tense political situation with the Soviet Union. In this background, came a movement called the Fisherman's War. During the 70s, activists centered their concerns for the ousting of the Navy from the island around financial and ecological devastation caused by the continual bombings of the island during the naval training exercises. However, support for this movement ultimately fizzled with the signing of the 14 Accord. This accord stated that the Navy would carry out certain economic revitalization programs in exchange for a federal lawsuit being dropped by the Puerto Rican governor. The terms were ultimately unenforced and never fulfilled. In fact, little attempt was even made. Activism against the Navy on the island, however, would be mostly quiet until the 1990s, when a series of accidental bombings took place, ultimately killing a local employed by the military base. 
Furthermore, concerns also exploded over the potential health risks of a high-powered radar system the Navy had planned to install on the island, and this is where the bulk of McCaffrey's work took place. So let's hop in with a quick overview of McCaffrey's entire book. In her first chapter, McCaffrey provided a quick synopsis of the island's troubled history. I hope I've done it justice for you. In her second, she took a look at the cultural development of Vieques. A culture that was intimately tied with the fragile island ecology, it developed a deep connection to the land itself. Chapter 3 deals with a movement called the Fisherman's War, and activism on the island against the Navy during the 1970s. The following chapter, naturally, deals with the aftermath of that movement. Chapter 5 really lays the groundwork for how activism on the island developed during the 1990s, mainly at the time of her research. Next, McCaffrey explains the land rescue strategy of activism and how activism against the Navy would grow out of the accidental killing of David Sanes. This land rescue strategy is what initially drew her to the island as she initially set off to study squatting movements. Sanes was a civilian worker employed by the base who was killed in an accidental bombing as a jet flew off course and dropped his payload not on the bombing range, but on a shed he was cleaning out at the time. The author's conclusion looks forward to the changing dynamics surrounding the removal of the Navy from the island. By the end of her research, it was no longer a question of if they'll leave, but when they'll leave. She ends by discussing the environmental toll of the military's actions and what activists will need to do in order to ensure a complete and proper transfer of their land back to civil authorities as opposed to military rule, where it has languished for decades. When all is said and done, what is the takeaway from McCaffrey's work? The so what of her writing? Well, her work offers an interesting look at what effect colonialism and militarism can have on the people who live under it. It's essential to understand the colonial relationship Puerto Rico has with the United States in order to understand the activist grievances. However, the author notes as early as page 9, the activists on the island intentionally sidestep tricky political questions about independence or possible statehood, and instead frame their concerns in less overtly political issues like health, the environment, and the economic effects of weapons testing on the island. What this means is that grassroots movements on Vieques were most effective when they were able to avoid political divisions and instead focus their concerns around less divisive topics. Generally speaking, this illustrates the power of creating social change through non-political movements that are instead framed against backdrops of human rights or justice rather than just political debates of the day. McCaffrey's work also takes an interesting look at military authority in what David Amor would call the Greater United States. Ultimately, three quarters of the island was put under the direct control of the US military during the time of McCaffrey's research. The civilian sector was squeezed between military installations on either side of the island and was really only permitted to exist in the center and south of the island. The Navy's goal for the island was exactly contrary to the civilian goals of the islands. While the civilian authorities wanted to economically revitalize the island, the Navy sought to keep it poor or even to evict all of the inhabitants to continually use the island as a bombing range, more or less target practice. McCaffrey provides an excellent example of how this mismatch in intended land use played out between the military and civilian sectors. McCaffrey writes, quote, While restrictions on the land forced residents to turn to the seas for material and cultural sustenance, there was no escaping the Navy's influence. 
military exercises were devastating to coastal ecology. Coconut groves were an early casualty of naval maneuvers. A Marine's memoirs from his participations in maneuvers in Vieques in February 1950 offer an example of the type of havoc the Navy wreaked on Vieques environments. Now quoting that Marine. We had also noted on these reconnaissances that the growth of coconut trees extended almost from the water's edge to a line about a hundred yards inland. We decided to use them in our defenses of the beaches. We would cut them down, leaving about a seven-foot stump and not completely sever the trunk so the entire thicket could be interlaced with barbed wire and demolitions. We hoped to make this the initial obstacle which would stop landing forces at least long enough for us to place heavy concentrations of artillery and mortar fire on them. Back to quoting McCaffrey, who says, The coconut groves had ringed the beaches along the coast of the island and were a significant source of cash and subsistence prior to the arrival of the Navy. That quote is on page 64 and 65. So these restrictions also had a devastating effect on the cultural expression of Vieques. As I mentioned earlier, they had a unique connection to the land. This connection necessitated that being from Vieques meant you had to be born on the island. However, restrictions on the land and water use, as well as the economic devastation caused by the continual bombings, meant that the closest hospital, i.e where most people would be born, was a three-hour ferry ride away on the main island of Puerto Rico. This led to a unique situation where uh, elderly people on the island would say things like, there's no Vieques in Vieques anymore, essentially meaning there is no more people born on the island, which was a devastating cultural blow to people who necessitated being born on the island as part of a cultural identity of being from the island. However, the scene with the Marine also goes a long way to illustrate just how different the Navy and the people of Vieques viewed the island. It also offers an excellent segue into discussions of environmental justice. The near constant naval and aerial bombardment of the island has left an undeniable mark on the land, the people, and the culture. Cancer rates on the island are inexplicably high and many point to heavy metal and explosive contamination of the air or the island's drinking water. Essentially, they blame the Navy. According to McCaffrey, the military is emerging from a veil of secrecy as the largest polluter in the United States. Through McCaffrey's examination, it's clear to see that a lack of civilian authority over the military has allowed for the continual environmental catastrophe on Vieques, and that's what the activists were fighting to put an end to. The possibility remains, however, that the government may simply declare the eastern half of Vieques, the main bombing range, uninhabitable, furthering the economic devastation to the island. McCaffrey's work has done an excellent job illustrating the need for environmental concerns to factor into conversations about all areas of public policies, but especially in regards to the military, who for too long has got a free pass on such issues under the guise of national security. As I wrap up, I'd like to provide you with a quick recap. Hopefully I've left you with some food for thought, I've gone over the history of Vieques, provided a quick overview of her entire book, and then extrapolated on some key points, like the effect of colonialism on the people who live under it, modern militarization, and environmental justice. These were all covered in 
Catherine T. McCaffrey's book called Military Power and Popular Protest, the U.S. Navy, and Vieques, Puerto Rico. Going forward, I would urge people to discuss in calls for Puerto Rican statehood, not just to consider the mainstream political goals of such an action, i.e., which political party would get two new senators, but also to take into account the voices and history and culture of the people of Puerto Rico and Vieques. The study of Vieques has provided an excellent window into a culture that has lived under colonialism for an exceptionally long period of time. Going back to 15th century Spanish colonial rule, up until the present day under the United States. However, that same culture has shown strident resiliency in grassroots efforts to support local goals and local causes. Sadly, current estimates today project the cleanup efforts on Vieques to last until 2032 and cost about 300 million more dollars, according to the Office of Government Accountability. That's a tricky sum to come up with, especially when you have no representation in the federal government. That being said, I'd just like to say thank you for listening to my podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I urge you to learn more about American colonialism and the plight of people like those living in Puerto Rico, because they're not the only American colony. But this is a start, and I hope I've taught you something new. Thanks for listening.